0: The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis for The Horn.
1: To the sports complex on a Thursday afternoon. It has been a long week that I have not been here very much, but we got a lot to get into today. We got some audio from Sark talking to the media today, Patrick's Big Fat Poll today, some NFL, some MLB. We will get into some Cowboys talk, a little preview of the big game happening this Saturday, 2:30 against Rice. We'll get into tonight's games as well, and it's a special treat. Join the show today from Hook'em Up in the Mornings. Aaron Hogan, Rob Babers, are going to be live in location. You can go check them out at Lavaca Street Bar in the domain, Rock Rose. You can go check them out. They'll be joining the show all show long. If you want to join the show, you can go out and join them out at Rock Red, Lavaca Street at Rock Rose. You can join us on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. And you can uh, follow me on Twitter at It's Patrick Davis. But let's get the show started and welcome in from Lavaca Street out at Rock Rose. Aaron Hogan. Aaron, how you doing, brother?
2: Good man, good man. What a great spot. Love this uh, Matt Lucky and his team right here in the domain. Uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon. Plenty of parking there in the shade in the garage, so just an easy in. And here we are, plenty of folks enjoying a happy hour. Uh, starting their weekend, Patrick. The weekend starts on Thursday. There's college football tonight. And uh, good vibe, good vibe up, in, vibe up in here. We're right here with our friends at Bud Light and Brown Distributing. So come on out, and I should say we have great prizes to give away. Uh, things people are going to want to win that may make their weekend even better than <laughs> they may. thought it could be.
1: It may. And I'll, I'll tell you this, that it's going to be a fun thing because you can go out and watch football games. That There was there was college football last weekend, and it was fun to watch. There's football games with spreads under a touchdown tonight.
2: Yes, uh, several. Utah and Florida uh, What the Minnesota game with Nebraska is right about that, right inside a touchdown. You really have good football.
1: So a lot of good football coming tonight. We've also we're going to talk about a lot about Texas today, uh, because you know the NFL. We still have a week until NFL, so not a ton of NFL to get into. But uh, Sark did talk to the media today, and so I wanted to Aaron go through some of these clips, get us a little bit more ready. Uh, I know y'all be talking about it tomorrow morning as well, but uh, sure. if we want to go through some of these clips here, I'll play them for you. We'll get we'll get our takes on these. Uh, but basically one of the first things we'll get into, uh, let's just play the opening statement, get you set up for, uh, what we're ready for getting ready for rice 2:30 on Saturday,
0: just to, just to kick it off. Um, you know, as I touched on Monday, it's exciting time. And I think our players did a really good job this week of being present day in and day out. It was something that we really challenged them with, you know, we came in Monday, morning for the team meeting you could feel that everybody was a little giddy they were excited they knew it was game week they wanted it to be game day on monday and the reality of it is we needed a good week of preparation and uh, we just challenged them to be present each day and to focus on what we were working on today and uh, i think that they did that all the way up and through up and through practice this morning Uh, really kind of focused on what they need to do Um, ultimately we're going to learn a lot about our team here on saturday um, of, of kind of who's in the right mental space who's in the right physical space to perform Um, I think we have a pretty good understanding of some of the veterans but I think we need there's a lot to be learned about for some of the new players that uh, we're going to be counting on this season so we're excited about it we're excited for the season I'm excited for our fans Uh, I'm I'm so excited for our students I know we've sold a, a ton of student tickets for this ball game and you know, I've been I've been kind of banging this drum now for for three years about making D K R one of the most hostile places to play in the country, and uh, that starts uh, with the energy that that everybody provides from a fan perspective, from a student perspective, but also in our play. And uh, if we can combine those two things, it should make for a for a difficult environment for us every Saturday. Uh, and that starts uh, this Saturday at two thirty.
1: So we looked there. At what Sark had to say about basically, I I think this is somewhat of a challenge to the team. This is somewhat a challenge to, hey, guys, we need you to step up to another level and be really focused because one of the biggest things you're watching for in this whole game is pre-snap penalties. And you're really wondering if this team can get subs in and out and everybody can show up and play focused because you're going to play a lot of these games this year that in the third and fourth quarter have been a problem for, for the past two seasons because focus dwindles and Sark doesn't call plays. And plays that should get five yards get two. And all of a sudden you're punting the ball and a team's coming back on you. And on defense you allow too many big plays. You allow third and longs to get picked up. He wants to see everybody come out for this Rice game. This feels like a game that if it goes Sark's way should be a 70-point win for Texas. I don't know if it will be 70, but it feels that way, doesn't it, Aaron?
2: It does. It does. I mean, this is uh, what Texas is wanting to be is an explosive offense and uh, look, Sark's been confident about this team all off-season, and certainly through camp. And uh, I don't think we hear anything different here. He's challenging them for sure uh, to, to to raise the bar even further and take it to the field. I mean, that's really what it's about from the from the practice field, the practice habits, the uh, the veteran leadership, the senior leadership, and the team led concept. But you know, you got to take that to the football field, and uh, as Sark has said before, put it in the dirt, and uh, you know, launch a, a really you know. Uh, exciting season for Texas football. But at the same time, you know, that's been the challenge for Texas, getting up for opponents week by week and uh, playing to a standard. And, you know, to play this game with Rice, like you're going to play Alabama. You can't play anyone differently, uh, respect your opponent each and every week, prepare for each opponent each and every week like they're Alabama, and that's when this group will uh, reach the ceiling. Whatever its ceiling is, that's the way to reach it is uh, not play down to competition, not play up to competition, just play to your standard, play to your bar.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, Sark's talked about that a lot in this in this preseason or during camp was basically you have to play to a standard. You, we have to rebuild the standard at Texas. I know Jeff Howe asked about it on Monday of what is the standard at Texas now, and his response was basically it's about energy, it's about intensity, and he didn't want to say it's 10 wins in a Big 12 championship, but we know what that standard is, and to get there, he understands you have to have all these other pieces. One of the other big factors going into uh, this game, though, is how many players are actually going to get playing time. We know that, yeah. uh, you know, we, we know who's starting, but you hope, again, it's a blowout. But Sark was not so ready to just immediately give up and say that everyone is playing and everybody will get in. And we, here's Sark today when he was asked about the plan for playing backups.
0: Now we're going to go play. Uh, we're going to play, like said, we need to play. And, uh, you know, I think in a lot of the positions, we're going to roll a, a pretty fair amount of our two deep because we have to you know from a from a weather standpoint you know it's going to be in triple digit Saturday um I only no one knows exactly what the heat index will be on the field um Saturday at, at 230, but I imagine you know we're, it's going to be up there pretty good and so we're going to have to make sure that we've got a good rotation going uh at all the positions Quinn's going to roll Quinn's going to play um hope he plays great um, if an opportunity presents itself, we'll try to get those guys in. But but more importantly, it's make sure we've got our rotation right at all the other positions and, and that we're executing and playing good football.
1: And speaking of the rotation, here's Sark's uh, very long answer about if Arch or Malik are in the backup spot.
0: We'll find out.
1: There you go. That is uh, his response to if uh, Arch or Malik earn that backup spot uh, behind Quinn Ewers. But this is kind of the attitude you want to have. We know it's not real. There's also been, you know, we've seen Nick Saban not releasing a depth chart, and he's clearly a little bit more ready for the Texas game and, and wants to figure that out. There, there is a bit of gamesmanship between Sark and Saban of not really wanting to show their hand too much. So it feels like everyone's going to play just because Sark doesn't want to show you too much.
2: That's correct. Uh, Both teams want to be as vanilla as possible, Patrick, and, uh, uh, you know, win with the vanilla ice cream, as we like to say, and just, uh, you know, establish lines of scrimmage, uh, show physicality, uh, show, be sharp, right? Uh, no pre-snap penalty. Sark's talked a lot about that coming out of these scrimmages. He's been bothered by some pre-snap penalties, and we know Sark uses a lot of fly motion, and they want people moving. Uh, that takes some uh, or, you know, orchestration and uh, chemistry to be on the same page and not be jumping off sides. Uh, those are the things that are going to bother you in this game. The Longhorns are 35-point favorites, uh, but neither Texas nor Alabama wants to show a lot. I mean, uh, certainly on the Alabama side, Nick Saban has said this week that you know, all three of his quarterbacks will play. Uh, Don't judge anything on who who runs out there first, second, or third. Uh, We're playing everybody. Uh, And obviously Texas has the... The concern that you got a brand new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator there, a new quarterback, whoever that's going to be. So, Alabama has the home field advantage and that huge element of surprise. Uh, and Texas, you know, they've got everybody back, and, and you know, Saban knows a lot about Sark uh, and what he's going to, uh, what he's all about, what his DNA is. Same time, uh, you're not going to, I'm sure you've got a, a special package and a special game plan installed just for Alabama that you've been working on all off season, sprinkling in here during camp to, to really, uh, you know, put in play next week. Uh, you don't want to show much of any of that this week against Rice. You, don't, you shouldn't have to th- show much of any of that. Uh, play a very vanilla uh, base brand of football. You just want to be sharp. You want Quinn to be sharp. You want Quinn to be accurate and have great footwork. You want the running game uh, to be able to line up and get after a Rice team whose best players, uh, Patrick, are you know, in the backfield. They're, they're on the outside. They're a quarterback. They're, they're As Rod will tell you, they're in their secondary. Uh, their lines of scrimmage simply don't match up with Texas, especially with You know, the improvement that we believe Texas has made on the offensive line and the defensive line. Now, strengths of the team potentially. uh, Texas should be able to win this game uh, with the home field advantage, the heat, the depth, and the lines of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, and the lines of scrimmage is big. And one of the things you want to see is, and Saban brought this up too about his quarterback when he was asked about it, but you want to see it at Texas is everyone all season has talked to Texas about, you know, it's about the team and I'm not worried about it. And, you know, all the running back room, especially, I don't care how many carries I get. I want one of those guys, whether it be Baxter or whether it be Brooks, to, to try and take the spot against Rice. And I think that's going to be a big one. Because we know the O-line for Texas should be handling its business in this game. Yeah. But I want to see one of these running backs step up and say, no, I'm the starting running back. I think it should be Jonathan Brooks. But if, Baxter, if he doesn't want to do that, if he's if he's not able to go and break those tackles, and I mean, we know Roshan and, and Bijan were one and two In uh, yards after broken tackles last year in the Big 12, that it's you're gonna have to get out and break some tackles. If Jonathan Brooks can get out and do that, if he can pass block well enough, I don't think there's gonna be a huge amount of rush. But that running back room for Texas, that's a big part for me uh, of watching this Rice game because you can go out there and make a statement, and you need to go out there and make a statement because this is the depth chart is still moving, the depth chart isn't set. For, for what's going to be happening to Alabama. And I know Sark has his ideas, but we know Keelan Robinson's going to get his, his amount that he got last year, at least. We know that, you know, you're going to give reps to Baxter and Brooks, but if Brooks is in there, he needs to go and take this game over and, and early and just beat him down to make it look like he is a world beater. I want to see that in this game. What are you looking for from the running back room?
2: Uh, I think you said it. Uh, and Sark, I didn't hear Sark today, and I'm glad you're playing these. I get to hear them. Uh, but uh, for the first time, I wasn't able to, to tune into his availability. But the um, you know, Sark said on Monday, when asked what the, the, the most, you know, the positional group you're most interested in seeing hit the field on Saturday, he was pretty clear it was running backs and said it was basically when you're trying to replace the guys you mentioned, we all know, Rojan and Bijan, uh, you just want to see who's going to grab that. Uh, and it's one of those things, you know, if Jonathan Brooks doesn't, even if he's even with Cedric Baxter and CJ Baxter. Uh, As we always say, if it's even, CJ's leaving because if he's a true freshman who just got here uh, and he's even at this point, uh, you know, right – you know, dead heat with the guy in Jonathan Brooks who's been here and in this system for two years already waiting his turn and he can't beat this guy out uh, and really establish himself as a starting running back, uh, then, you know, you can kind of see where that position is going to go uh, into the season that C.J. Baxter, the, the true freshman out of Orlando, who was the number one back in the nation in some services, uh, that talent's going to win. Sark has shown clearly with Xavier Worthy year one, Kelvin Banks last year, he'll play young guys. He doesn't care how, what your grade is. If you're good enough, he's going to play you. And uh, he's going to play the guy that gives him the best chance to move the football. And as, as Rod would always tell you, and we always talk about with, with, uh, in the mornings, you know, if it's even with a freshman and a junior, you got to go with the young guy who's got the higher ceiling, who can elevate. Uh, that you know, so Jonathan Brooks has that every chance to take this job. And if you remember, uh, Patrick uh, Jonathan Brooks missed a lot of spring with an injury. They were very careful careful with him because yeah. he had gotten nicked up and had some surgery after the bowl game. And so C.J. Baxter got here in January. He went through the spring. Uh, so you know if they're neck and neck, you can kind of uh, expect that C.J. Baxter takes this position over as the year goes on. Because I do think to your point about Keelan Robinson, even Jaden Blue, they're they're kind of a, kind of gadget backs. I think Jaden Blue might surprise me. I don't know. Just we haven't seen him, but his stature, his size, tells me he's a little bit more of those, you know, specialty backs, which Keelan Robinson is, who's going to be the jet sweep guy, the uh, get him in space guy, uh, use that electric speed to get on the edges and on the perimeter. Uh, you need some somebody or, or a couple of backs to you know pound the middle of the middle of the field. Now be that power running game. And is that Jonathan Brooks? Is that C.J. Baxter? Uh, I think, I think as we said, with a vanilla game plan, we'll learn a lot about that on uh, on Saturday between those two. And I agree with you. I'd like to see Jonathan Brooks grab this job. He's waited his turn. He's played behind some great backs. And, and I'd like to see him shine because he did have a really good bowl game in the Alamo Bowl. I'd like to see him pick up with that and take that into the Rice game and then into the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and when you talk about, the, you know, what – Sark likes to call on having those backs of Keelan Robinson and what we think Jaden Blue might be. And Savion Red is going to be there. They got transferred that moved over to running back. Those gadgety backs, they're great. Sark loves them too much, though, at points. We saw games where he would rather put out Keelan Robinson and things than Bijan or Roshan and get away from the run game too much. That's a big reason why I want one of these running backs to really take over and go, hey, I, I get that Bijan Robinson is gone. You still need to run the ball with us. Because we are going to go out there and get you the yards. And I think if either one of them doesn't step up and take it, it's going to be easier and easier for Sark to fall into what's more comfortable, which is dropping back and having a you know Keelan pop out as a as a receiver and not necessarily just straight up running the ball, which in the third and fourth quarter of games is so important for you to beat down that D-line with some run blocking. Because if you're pass blocking and they're just running at you all game, those old linemen don't really get a push and knock over and get pancakes and stuff that they want to get in the run game. And I I just think it's important to run the ball, and you're going to need one of those running backs to get Sark to want to do it. Uh, I am going to play a clip here. Uh, This is Sark today talking about the running back rotation going forward, and we'll come out of that.
0: I think that's a good question. Um, And it might be a little better one next Monday coming out of the game, you know, because – we're, it's gonna there's gonna be some feel here on Saturday you know I'm gonna have to get a feel for for just kind of how it looks what it feels like the the way these guys are running the way they're pass protecting, the way their knowledge base of the offense in game looks like feels like and so uh I'd love to tell you hey what happens Saturdays is, is gonna ha- be how it goes but I, I I think there's gonna be some some moving parts to this thing and and some things are gonna have to adjust and shift as we move forward Um, so that might be a better question for, for after the game or on Monday of kind of what it looked like and what it might look like moving forward. And that's
1: where, you know, I, I, he won't even admit to what he's, I don't think he knows yet because there's a big difference between practice players and players in a game. But I mean, Aaron, you've seen this Sark play calling. He does seem to get away from running backs at times.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he had two great ones last year and I think as the year went on, he learned that. You know, sometimes with a young quarterback, you just have to saddle up your backs and run. Think of that Baylor game late and, uh, uh, you know, second half against Baylor, uh, Iowa State game. Uh, You can become that way. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, Sark is what he is. And he wants his his offense to be diversified. He wants to use all his weapons. You know, he recruits to that, Patrick. He recruits... He doesn't, yep. you know, limit himself. He wants as many toys as he can have, and he promises, uh, or at least uh, tells those guys they're going to play and they're going to get their chance, we're going to feed everybody. Uh, so I do think that maybe comes into some of the things he does. Uh, but, you know, he, he, wherever he's been, he's had a 1,000-yard running back. I mean, that's, that's wherever he's called plays, been the head coach, he's had a 1,000-yard back. Uh, that's, that's, you, can, you can put it in stone and look back on Sark's record as an offensive coordinator and a head coach. Uh, there, that, th- This may be different for him because he, he, even he's talking like he's not sure who that thousand-yard back is going to be. That's why I say this week is is interesting to me because, you know, is it Jonathan Brooks? Is it as you said when the lights come on and it's not practice anymore and it's a hundred thousand people plus? Who who steps up? Uh, who becomes that guy that could become the feature running back? Because I look, I, I you're right about, um, you know. Sark will sometimes want to use all the gadgets and all the toys but I, I think at its core and at its base he wants to have a lead back who can run between the tackles and, and he didn't bring in Paul Christ as an advisor to work on the power run game to not have a power running back who's going to establish that power run game to create you know, play action opportunities and all the things he wants to do within his offense is to be as multiple as possible uh, who is that going to be uh, I think I heard, I heard Sark just say that, that uh, I'll be interested to see Uh, who steps up I think he'd like it to be Jonathan Brooks I really do uh, you know, and, and establish himself in that role because uh, going to Alabama, you want to know who that guy is or at least have a really good idea who you, who you really believe in because uh, you're going to have to run the football to win on the road at Tuscaloosa. You're going to have to run between the tackles to win there against the Nick Saban defense. Uh, who is that guy? Is it C.J. Baxter? Is it Jonathan Brooks? Is it both for a little bit as they try to, to feel this out? And that's the other part of uh, Saturday, Patrick. It's going to be 100 degrees plus. Yeah. Uh, there are going to be a lot of guys play. They're not going to wear anybody down. No one's getting you know 25 or 30 carries individually. they're going to sh- spread them out uh, just to, to be as fresh as they can the following week. Uh, same time, you do want to figure out who that, who that player is.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think there's too, a huge part of it about trust of when if it's a you know a three-point game and you're rushing over the middle and, and you have the ball and you're trying to keep it, and you know that Alabama is going in there and trying to strip the ball out of your young running back, who do you yeah. trust to put out there? And so who do you put in trust to, you know, when they're lining up and overstacking a side of the the ball to blitz, who do you trust to not let Quinn Ewers get knocked out of the game and knocked out for three weeks again? Who do you trust when you got to go out and you got a little trick play and you need him to run that play action perfectly and then cut out and get open in the flat, and you need him to be able to match eyes with Quinn Ewers if he gets in trouble? All those pieces is something he's kind of mentioned several times uh, through the press availabilities. Is I don't think he's worried about either one of them necessarily first and second quarter running through the A gap, B gap, C gap. I don't think he's worried about that at all. I think he's much more worried about can I put them in and they don't know what we're doing. They they can't say, Jonathan Brooks is in. Okay, it's a run play. and Or Jonathan Brooks is in. We know he likes to go this way. And I think he wants to see somebody that shows all of the abilities. And that's where you could see a few more passes to a Jonathan Brooks or Cedric Baxter to see if they can get out there and, and what how he feels about it. I, I think a big play you're going to watch for is, especially with a, a Rice team that the secondary is pretty good at, but the, the linebacking core and the front seven is not necessarily there. So, you know, are you going to have a, a C.J. Baxter? Does he go too hard when he doesn't get brought down and starts waving the ball around? And even if it doesn't come out, does that ball wave around a little bit that you know next week that's a turnover?
2: Exactly, uh, and that's, that's, again, we keep saying it, that's really the key. Uh, I really don't think Steve Sarkeesian wants to go into Alabama with a true freshman in the backfield uh, for pass protection reasons, for, for the, the, the pressure reasons. Uh, He just got here in January. I I think he will if he feels like it's the best way to go. I don't know that he wants to do that. Uh, And that's where I think, as you've said, to start this, that Jonathan Brooks is a big factor in this game. Can he grab this thing? Can he show the trust? Can he explode through the hole when it's there? Because it's going to be there against Rice. Can he show the vision it's going to take? Because I do think you'd rather have a a third-year player an explosive third year back out of Hollotsville uh, on the road. He's been in those environments, uh, whether he was playing a lot significant minutes or not. He's been there. He's been a part of it. He saw the Alabama game from the sidelines last year. He knows what that's going to be like, the speed of that game, uh, the physicality of an Alabama team. That's the guy you really want. 24 needs to, to really be, you know, you know, grab this opportunity. Because as I said a minute ago, if he doesn't, and C.J. Baxter maybe plays a little bit better or shows a little more explosion, that becomes a, a a big decision he's got to make not just the Alabama game but beyond because I think those are your two best choices for the between the tackles physical runner.
1: Yeah, and we know if Sark loves one thing it is explosive plays, and we know that John the Brooks had at least one last year he had that big seventy yard run against Kansas so there's something there. But uh, we talk he's got about some C- speed exactly. And if we talk about CJ Baxter, uh, Sark was asked as well today, he was on a Zoom call with the media and his media availability. He was asked about freshmen playing, and it's not surprising that you're gonna get a lot of guys in the rotation, but we heard him say earlier that we're gonna try and play our starters as much as possible. Here's Sark when he was asked about how much of fr- playing time the freshmen will see on Saturday.
0: Well, I think all the guys you just mentioned are gonna play Saturday. And that they'll be they'll be out there, you know, relatively early in the ball game. So um, and that's not to mention a, a John cook that's, you know, and Leonga Lafowl, uh, another guy who's, who's kind of stood out that way. Um, uh DeAndre Moore out there. So, I think we've got a good group of guys that are going to contribute on offense and defense and then if if you're doing that then then surely they're going to contribute on special teams. And so, you know, we 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 put a lot of pride in special teams and I think these guys are earning their opportunities. Trey Wisner's been a guy that has done a nice job on teams as well. Um But, but, but ultimately, you know, we brought these guys here to play and that they earn their time when it, when it's time for them to play. And all of those that you mentioned, I think, I think will contribute that way. And so we're we're excited for them, you know, and there's other guys that are working through the process of developing their game. I always reference back to the JT Sanders conversation from a couple of years ago when, you guys all kept asking me what's wrong with jt sanders why doesn't he play or why is he not on defense he was in a developmental stage of his career and now we're reaping the benefits of the development that jt put in so all of these freshmen are at different stages um, but it's a good class it's a competitive class uh, it's a physically gifted class um, and i think these are guys that are going to play a lot of football for us not only this year, but for years to come. And then the other side of that is the new rule. You know, the fact that we get to play these guys, especially early in the season, and then not have to burn a red shirt. We need to see, we need to get them out there and we need to let them play to see, you know, what does it look like? Because some of these guys are going to play better than maybe they practiced. And there's going to be a couple of them, unfortunately, that might not play quite as good as the way that they practice. But at least we know, and then we know what to work on.
1: So we see there, everyone's going to play on Saturday. I mean, pretty much everyone's going to play. So it is going to be fun because this is a, a a big rookie class for Sark. You want to see which one of these guys can come out and make an impact. And, and this is, you know, you're not necessarily going to get playing time week two. So maybe you got week three, and then you know you're you're either in the rotation or you're not. But for a Manny Muhammad and Anthony, but, like, those guys, it's big for them to you know you get a big chance to move up in that depth chart right now
2: agreed yeah I mean uh, you know it feels like awards are becoming like bowl games there's way too many of them but there's a new (laughs) award the Sean Sean Alexander freshman of the year award or something like that that's out now and I saw today where Texas has uh, four Longhorns are on that list the most of any team uh, with John Cook and Anthony Hill and C.J. Baxter um, there's one other, Manny Muhammad. Manny Muhammad's on yeah. that list. And so you got four true freshmen up for a watch list thing. But that just tells you how talented that class is. And uh, as you heard Sark say, they're all going to play. Uh, they've earned that opportunity. And uh, here we go. Uh, but you're right. I mean, to me, and Rod and I have talked about this a lot in the morning, Patrick, whatever we see on Saturday just needs to look crisp and, and clean and sharp. Well, Whoever runs out there the best 11 on, on the following Saturday, that's what matters. I mean, those are the guys who are number one. Whatever the depth chart says. It's who runs out there, number one, uh, against Alabama because you're going to need your best 22. You may spare them out and sub them out with some, for some depth issues, especially on D-line and some other places. But we'll know next week what the real depth chart is when they line up against Alabama.
1: Yeah, that is, that's one of those things about playing freshman is it's all great and you, there's, just no, there's no learning curve when you have to play in Alabama week two. So you've got to get out there. Yeah. All right, let's get over to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Rick's
2: big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn.
1: Join the conversation. 512-337-3776 where you can join us on the Specs text line. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. I want to know because we'll be out and about. The Horn will be out and about for the for the Longhorn game. But I want to know where is your favorite place to watch a game. So tell us on the Specs text line if it's, at, if it's on your couch. Do you like going to a party? Do you like going to a bar like Lavaca Street where Aaron Hogan and Rob Babers are right now? Do you like going to the game? I, I know personally I may, I may like to go to a party guy or on my couch. I'm not necessarily another place, but I, I want to know because I, I want to poll people. I want to figure out how much people are getting out. Aaron, where you normally like to watch a game?
2: I'm a couch guy. Uh, I've got a nice man like front room where I can watch the game. I like to be able to, to kind of see a big game, whether like an Astros World Series game or a, you know a big Longhorn game. Uh, it, yeah, I like it. I, I like to be by myself. I like to watch the game and analyze maybe a couple people max. Uh, I don't need the big crowd thing. But, you know, if I have to be out, it would be, uh, you know, at a, that's, that would be number two. A place like Lavaca Street, we've got 40 TV or you know, 12 TVs that I can see right now. Uh, I like to watch a lot of games. If it's not one game that I'm you know, completely zeroed in on, Patrick, I want to be able to see all the the 2.30 games and all the noon games of the NFL. like to see all of it at that once. So it's either out uh, to watch a bunch of games, but if it's a huge one game, it's home.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I the, the, the And that's what I'll say. The way I have the question phrased is, where's your favorite place to watch the game? So I'm asking you, all when right, you're watching the game, because it, yeah, I agree home. with you, if I want to go watch games, uh, if I'm going to watch games, and they just go, hey, man, there's a bunch of good games on, but I don't really care, so I can keep an eye on everything and don't have to flip back and forth. I'm all about going out to a place like LaVaca Street. But uh, that's what we wanted to know from you guys. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Let us know there. We'll put up a poll on social media after the show so everybody can vote there. Right now, though, you can join Aaron Hogan, Rob Babers out at LaVaca Street. Aaron, tell them where you're at one more time before we get a break.
2: Yeah, LaVaca Street on Rock Rose right here inside the domain. Just come on in and uh, good seats available. As I mentioned, TV's everywhere. Going to be good college football tonight. Our friends from Bud Light and Brown Distributing are here handing out some uh, three beers and all that that's going on and they've got good giveaways really good giveaways if you're one that likes to go watch games live might want to come out tonight uh i don't know what we'll see i prize special prizes apparently uh but that's here i uh, neither near nor there i don't know what the prizes are but i've been told they're good (laughs) so come out we're here till seven o'clock and then that utah florida game will get cranked up should be a great place to uh, start your college and pro football season
1: There you go, and and go bother Aaron and Rod and go ask them all all of your your worries about about Texas coming up. I don't think there's that many worries on Saturday, but we'll get them. We'll be back with more Aaron and Rod at Lavaca Street. Myself, Patrick Davis, here on the Sports Complex as we come back here on The Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn FM app, and hornfm.com.
2: The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. (laughs) The Horn.
1: On the sports complex here on the horn. Being joined live from Lavaca Street. Aaron Hogan, Rob Bavers, live out Lavaca Street.
3: Rob, are, are you there now? I'm, the, I'm here, brother. I apologize for my tardiness. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm just spoiled, Patrick, because of my work schedule, even the one I have now in the morning show. I never have to really deal with traffic. Yeah. I always avoid it. Even when I was working, no, we was working together on Ball Don't Lie. Hey, man, you know, I miss traffic. I miss it by like an hour and a half, an hour. Yeah. So my, my, my calculation of time that I thought I would have, I gave myself a good 35, 40 minutes. I figured, man, 35, 40 minutes to get to the domain from South Austin, plenty of time. You know, I'll, be, I'll be fine. Nope. I need about an hour 10. I need to add like 30 more minutes to it. Yeah. That's crazy. So no. I'm just saying, I, I apologize, but my, my time my time clock is all off, man. My, tra- I, my traffic clock. No,
1: I appreciate that, because I'm going to be up at Round Rock Hyundai with Aaron tomorrow, and I'm trying to figure that one out because it's across town. Oh. I got to figure that one out. Yeah. I, I do. I know you've taken one of my pieces of advice for, for road rage.
3: Yes, because I think it leads to accidental racism. Yes. And you have a cure for accidental racism.
1: Wait, Well, it's a cure road rage, but it's, do your best accent when you're yelling at somebody, and you'll eventually get to where you can't get mad because you feel it's oh. so silly. But I'll tell you, Brilliant. I have a new one that I've done in the car when I'm just that's driving. it better than that one? No, it's just this is a bored by traffic and you're getting a bad mood because you're stuck in traffic. So it's not really oh, even road rage. So this is it, which is put on Yacht Rock and then just be a hype man for Yacht Rock. It is one of the most fun things i found to do in the car. But if you're oh. just like, if you're just listening to Michael McDonald and then repeating what he says back but as a hype man,
3: <laughs> <laughs> like you're at a basically like you're at a h you're the hype man at a hip hop show, except yeah. you're doing it for, for Yacht rock. rock. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, like, that would make you feel silly. And the whole point is the sillier you feel, yes. that'll make you that'll make you laugh at yourself and how silly you are.
1: Yeah, like if you're listening to like Sarah's smile and then it's like, ooh yeah, that's a nice smile and you just do that in the car, <laughs> try you, it's hard to stay you're just like, Yeah, this is ridiculous. And then people just look hey. over in your car and wonder what you're doing.
3: I advocate, you know what, I I, I second that, I'm all about, you should now start keeping a list of ways to avoid road rage, because road rage can lead to bad stuff, you go home in a bad mood, you and wifey get in a fight, you you know, you mean to the kids, Accidental racism, a lot of, you know, negative side effects of road rage, and all of your suggestions can avoid that, so I'm all about it, brother, I'm all about it. Yeah,
1: and and not only that, there's also the fact that... We've, there's more and more people getting arrested for pulling out a gun on somebody and just being like, hey, I have a gun in this car. Like, None of us are moving. Stop doing that.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why you also want to avoid road rage because you are actually living with some people who do not know how to control their anger and rage. Yes. And they don't really have constructive outlets for that, and you don't want to be one of them outlets. Exactly. So that's why you want to avoid it too, yes.
1: All right, well, <laughs> since I got you right, let's do some NFL news notes and nuggets because I know that is – Let's do it. Is one of do two say your favorite. Of course, the big news today was that TJ Hawkinson signed uh, a four-year, $68.5 million contract. I believe like 45 to 47 of this is guaranteed. Huge contract. He is, in my opinion, probably fifth or sixth best tight end in the league. He is now the highest paid tight end in the league. We, when we see That's the amazing. running back market has bottomed out at the lowest level, tight end market apparently not. The market is reset with TJ Hawkinson. It is... Is this going to be an outlier that Minnesota did that's a Minnesota or is... I mean, we know Travis Kelsey is now, I believe, the fifth highest paid tight end. He said he's okay with it, but he's fifth. That seems a little low for the best tight end or at least the, the most used tight end, whether he's best or not. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, how much you have to use him if you're, if you're Minnesota now to make this worthwhile?
3: Uh, I'm with you. I'm a little surprised that he got it. I don't know who his agent is. His agent's obviously damn good at his job. Uh, I'm with you. I think the bigger story is here is about Travis Kelsey, who is the best tight end in the league. You could argue, if you're just looking at receivers, uh, regardless of position, just receivers in football, targeted uh, guys in football, Travis Kelsey is among your top ten most uh, productive receivers in the game. He's a tight end, but in terms of the, what he does, what he does in receiving, he's, uh, last year he had this guy this is amazing. He set career highs in targets with 152 receptions, with 110, and touchdowns with 12. Those are re- wide receiver numbers, right? No, how about this in his career? All right, he's got he had seven straight season with a thousand yards. No other tight end in NFL history has more has had more than 4,000-yard uh, seasons in a row in their entire career. He's had seven in a row now. And the thing about it is, Patrick, they get him on a discount. Like you said, he's the fourth or fifth highest paid tight end in the league yeah. now. What is Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the league. Travis Kelsey, best tight end in the league. And Patrick Mahomes is the seventh or eighth highest paid quarterback. Travis Kelsey, fourth or fifth highest paid tight end. They're the best at what they do. This is why Chris Jones is saying, you know what, man, I might hold out to week eight because I'm the second best defensive tackle in the league. Hell, y'all won't even pay the best quarterback in the league or the best tight end in the league, which is his number one weapon. So I don't know if y'all going to pay me. So you know what, either pay me or trade me is basically what he's saying. And this is the point, too. This is why nobody should sign a team-friendly contract ever again. Because both Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes signed team-friendly deals. Probably the team-friendliest deals in the history of the NFL, if you're breaking it down in context. And yet, the point of a team-friendly deal is to sign the best players around them while you're giving them a discount (laughs) so y'all can win more games. The Kansas City Chiefs didn't sign Tyreek Hill, let him go. Best receiver in the league, potentially. And Patrick's number number one weapon, or number two weapon. And then they're going to potentially let Chris Jones go, too. They don't want to pay him. Where's the beef? Where's all the money from these team friendly deals for the Kansas City Chiefs? You got rookies starting in your secondary. You rehaul you overhaul the offensive line with one draft. Everybody on your 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 starting lineup pretty much is at a discounted rate. Where the hell's the money and why don't you want to spend it?
1: Yeah, I know. You when we talk about Jerry Jones and he needs a capologist to fix everything, Kansas City has got it. Basically, they pay Andy Reid, and I'm sure the food budget for Andy Reid is pretty big. Other than that, (laughs) I don't know how much is there. But this is like, if you said it right, if you look at Kansas City and you say Travis Kelsey misses three games, that's it. But you owe an injury for Travis Kelsey. Who's the the number one wide receiver for Kansas City behind Travis Kelsey? No idea. Is it Sky Moore? (laughs) I mean, they want it to be Kadarius Toney, but everyone's wanted to be Kadarius Toney for the last four years, and it hasn't been. So I don't think, you know, you can't count on Kadarius Tony to show up and be that guy. They don't have, there's not even another guy that's in kind of a waiting. When you talk about Hawkinson, he, he's he got Justin Jefferson. He has yeah. the best wide receiver in the league. That's true. He has Good the best point. wide receiver, and he's sitting behind him. And then they drafted Jordan Addison behind him. Mm-hmm. So they have two wide receivers better than Kansas City, and they're still paying him. Up. I don't, that, if I was Justin Jefferson, that would worry me a bit. That he got all that yep. money because I'm like they may not be trying to keep me because they may not they may say we'll pay the oh. the highest tight end but we're not going to pay the highest wide receiver price and that's what Justin Jefferson we know they traded Diggs a few years ago because they didn't want to pay him and now Diggs oh. again Diggs there's rumors that he's just always unhappy so that might have been part of it too <laughs> but
3: he's always he's that's so great he's always unhappy <laughs> he's,
1: <laughs> there's no reason they were just like he held out a day why eh, he's not a happy guy. That's that's all you saw. But that would worry me if I was Justin Jefferson in this contract because it could mean that Minnesota doesn't necessarily want to make me the richest wide receiver in the NFL because they're going to plan on having Jordan Addison, and then they've got TJ Hawkinson, and they may move on if they're not – especially if they regress this season like a lot of people are predicting them. I I mean, what do you – what do you expect out of them? Because if they're not if they're not going for a title, it's really hard to then completely lock up everything onto a wide receiver, with Kirk Cousins, who is a good enough quarterback. But if he's not going to lead you, and you've got to pay him big money, at, at some point you have to cut the losses. It would worry me if I was Justin Jefferson.
3: Oh man, that would be that, that would be just general manager malpractice. <laughs> if, you, you, if you let Justin Jefferson go because you want to invest in. T.J. Hawkins in that tight end, uh, but that's a great point. They, they they basically now, if you're a Justin Jefferson, you gotta love this situation because they're gonna pay T.J. Hawkins in that kind of money. Then what are they gonna pay you when you're clearly the number best wide receiver in the league, coming off his rookie deal and you've set records up until this point for a receiver through their first three years? I'm with you. Uh, Justin Jefferson's about to get paid a whole lot of money. It's just, I yeah, it's, it's interesting because now you know Travis Kelsey is making 14. Point three mil a year tj hawkins' deal pays him 17 mil a year i was just looking at the highest paid wide receivers in the league so i want to do a little uh, comparison for context um basically that 14 million that essentially that travis kelsey is making that would put oh man that would basically put only he's ahead of deon michael gallup is behind him and he's right in line with deandre hopkins in terms of this (laughs) average annual per year uh, but he's the best tight end in the league, and he's making that kind of money. That's that's a maybe. You're that you're right about them thinking, hey man, we could get discounted productivity because you got to pay top dollar for wide receiver. You yeah. gonna pay him 30, 30-something mil a year, whatever it is now. They're going it.
1: Yeah, if Jordan Addison comes out and plays well at all, it would not surprise me if they said we can get a better deal and we can get him at a wide receiver three price. So we can kind of make this. We can piecemeal it together. And it's Minnesota. It's not a huge market (laughs) team that tends to make splashy moves. Again, they traded Diggs away because he wanted to get paid. And Diggs is not the same talent as Jefferson, but people think very highly of him. It's it's an interesting thing. I mean, and when you look at some of the top-paid tight ends, you look at Darren Waller, they don't have a number one wide receiver there. That's why he's making that money. Travis Kelsey, yep. he's the number one wide receiver there. Mark Andrews was the number one wide receiver in Baltimore. A lot of the top paid wide, tight ends are because they're a wide receiver one. They may be trying to move that with Hawkinson. It'll depend on what happens early in the season. A couple other notes. Great point. Let's uh, Texans real quick. Juice Scruggs got put on the IR. So after Queensberry, the the starting center that was going to be up for it against Drew Scruggs, gets put on the IR. Now Drew Scruggs on the IR. He's going to miss at least four games. It's a hamstring, so it's not season-ending. But these first four games, your only center on the lineup on your roster right now is the six-round pick, Jarrett Patterson, from Notre Dame.
3: Hey, that was a smart move to draft two centers in the same draft now, though. It seems
1: that good now. (laughs) But this O-line, how bad Kenyon Green looked in preseason – you know, with the injury to Titus Howard, and he's not—I—I I don't know. Like this is more and more that I get. C.J. Stroud needs to be the starting quarterback, but it worries me to put him out there if this O line is not remotely sound to go, and they're just too beat up. Are you—are you worried at all about putting C.J. Stroud, a guy who is much better sitting in the pocket than he is moving around? He showed in preseason uh, when he sits back. Are you worried about that at all?
3: No, it's a good point. I think this is why you saddle up Damon, Damian Pierce, right? You got one of the best rookie running backs yep. from last season. Um, I, I'm with you. I think now a a heavy dose of the running game is probably going to help protect C.J. Stroud. It's so crazy the bad luck of the Texans. We went into this season saying they had invested heavily in the offensive line. They, you know, they they signed all their foundational pieces, Titus Howard, L- Tunsil, who they still have access to, but now you have all these injuries piling up. Kenyon Green, now Juice Scruggs. Uh, they, they made a trade for the uh, Arizona Cardinals kind of swing tackle. Yeah. Uh, he's a very versatile offensive lineman. Was it Josh Jones, I think it is?
1: Uh, I yeah, that. I think but, so. And they, they also made a trade uh. with Pittsburgh for uh, Kendrick Green, uh, an interior lineman as well.
3: Oh, hold up. They got a Kendrick Green and a Kenyon Green?
1: And they play both. for going to play left guard. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's a joke somewhere. I just can't think of it <laughs> Yeah, right no, it's just –
1: now, But, yeah, it's also – so they have to have K K E N Y green on one jersey and then the K-E-N-D. It's like the <laughs> – Right.
3: <laughs>
1: it's like the Pouncy Twins.
3: Yeah, exactly, right? you got to make sure you uh, distinguish one from the other. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I think they run the ball. And don't forget, they have Andrew Beck on that team. They have a fullback. That's a legitimate fullback. They consider him an a H-back, fullback, whatever. I think they may actually go with some – Twenty-one personnel, two backs with a fullback and a tight end, slow things down and then run right at teams and simplify. So they could try to, uh, you know, they, they could try to protect CJ Stroud in that way.
1: Yeah, that's a good call on that one. Uh, one more before we got to get to break. Uh, did you see the, Mal- the Matt Crowell ended up on the Patriots? No, I didn't. Because Matt Crowell was waived by the Panthers because they said we're moving on. That pick was done. That pick that Matt Crowell was picked with with the Panthers. The Panthers traded with the Patriots to get that pick. So that third-round pick they traded with the Patriots, the Patriots <laughs> now have both players they drafted with the picks they got from that and Matt Corral. <laughs> Real Bill Belichick move to get all of it. But that's apparently yeah, you know, one of the reasons why they left their guys off the roster is they ended up with Matt Corral, picked him up on waivers, so now he is the backup for uh, Matt Blake.
3: I, know, and I thought they really liked Bailey, uh, Bailey Zappi. I did too. Um, and
1: he's still on the practice squad. Okay, there you so go. So he'll be their, wider, their quarterback three, but they're kind of in the same position as the Cowboys. Uh, we have a guy that we think is our backup, and then we have this other project we want to have. But if we waive him, someone else is going to pick him up, so we have to keep him on the roster. And it's just a roster spot. But we'll get into Cowboys here in the 6 o'clock hour because uh, there's, a, there's some worrying things that have happened since the 53-man cut. we got to take a Uh-oh. break. uh Rod Babers and Aaron Hogan are out at Lavaca Street in the Domain. Uh, Rod, tell them where you're at.
3: Uh, Lavaca Street, uh, Rock Rose location. That's what they call it. So come on out here and join us. Lots of Bud Light flowing. Uh, I got one in front of me right now, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait like 30 more minutes before I enjoy my Bud Light. <laughs> so come on out here. We'll be out here till 6 o'clock, probably a little bit after that.
1: There you go. All right, let's get to the break. It's uh, the Sports Complex here on The Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
2: The Sports Complex ah! of The Horn.
1: Back here on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Uh, we got a little talk for you before we get you back out to uh, Lavaca Street. We'll keep talking with Aaron Hogan and Rod Babers out at Lavaca Street at Rock Rose. You can, We'll be back with them in the 6 o'clock hour. But let's get to some of your texts. there you can join us on the Specs text line. 512-337-3776 is how you can join the Specs text line. The Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day is where is your favorite place to watch the game? So watching the game, not watching a bunch of games. Watch the game. Is it? Are you a couch sitter? Do you do you uh, do you like to go to the bar? Do you like to go to a party and get all your friends together? Do you like to go to the game? Where is it you like to go? We'll go read some of your texts real quick before we gotta go back to another break. Uh, my outdoor living area from D Fry. Yeah, I. You know what? Outdoor, I'm all for. I've actually set up some TVs in my in my, my pool in the backyard. I got some TVs out there now, so I enjoy watching the games. Uh, You know, because it is too hot to just sit in the outdoor area in any other way unless it is already 9 or 10 at night, which then you have to have Pac-12 Network, which is only on, like, three different packages. You can't get it anywhere. It's fun trying to figure out who I know that has Pac-12 channel when I was Pac-12 Network when I was trying to watch that USC game on Saturday. Uh, watch the game at Twin Peaks. That way, if it gets boring, if it's a route. I, I've never – look, guys, you're an adult. If you're not bringing kids with you – just escalated to the escalated to the big boy clubs they, they'll have the game on there too and the entertainment the entertainment's not bad just telling you uh home for the big game I, I look I'm a home guy as well I, I do like to have people over I do enjoy having a few people to get pumped up for certain moments of the game but I, I don't want to have too many people there. Oh, my favorite place is Q two. Oh, you didn't mean that game. My bad. Yeah. No, you look, Q two is awesome. I've been there once. I sat up right by where the screen is. I gotta look over the whole overview. But again, it's very hot out there. It's very hot. We got to take another break. Keep telling those keep sending those in. Five one two three three Seven three seven seven six 3776 is the Specs text line. Keep sending those in. We're going to go back out to Lavaca Street, catch back up with Aaron Hogan and Rob Babers at Lavaca Street out at the Rock Rose. We'll get back with that and more Sports Complex, talking some more Texas football, talking some Dallas Cowboys, a little bit of the games tonight, a little preview of tonight's games, all coming up here on the Sports Complex, 1019-AM-1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com.